Hello, and welcome to What in Tar Nation, Tar Heel Blog's hot take podcast. This week, we're back to talk about a disappointing and super weird and frustrating loss to Wake Forest. I'm Tanya Bondurant, and with me as always is Brandon Anderson. Brandon, how are you doing? To be quite honest, I'm a lot better than I was about 24 hours ago. So, You've let the salt drain from your body? Kind of, but also I feel like everybody else's salt has kind of taken the salt out of my system. So that's pretty much where I'm at right now. If there is a silver lining to UNC picking up their first loss of the season, it's that today in college football was insane. Yeah. I mean, every game, not every game, there were a lot of not close games, but for a week where people thought that it would be pretty chalky, it seems like there was a lot of craziness happening. If you predicted the Citadel would beat Georgia Tech, you pretty much have to admit that you are the biggest liar in the world and also pay me $50. Or maybe you did predict that the Citadel would beat Georgia Tech, in which case you should also go play the lottery immediately. Yeah, one of the two, because that was wild. The state game was funny. But, I mean, honestly, that's not nearly as shocking. There was Which other team almost lost? Virginia almost lost to Florida State. Yeah. That game was really close. Yeah, there was um, that. What else happened? Penn State. Pitt. Like, Pitt. Yeah. Oh, poor Pitt. They, they had first and one, and they ended up kicking a field goal which missed. Oh, and then Pat Narduzzi defended the decision. It was tragic. Yeah. Poor Pitt. Yeah. Hearts go out to Pitt. Hearts go out to Pitt. Hearts also go out to Virginia Tech that only beat Furman by seven. It was a wild day. It was a wild day. Clemson is like the shining spot of the ACC in a weekend of just like trash fires. Yeah. Yeah. Kansas beating Boston College. Oh, my God, yes. And what was that statistic? It was like 13 uh, FCS teams had beaten uh, teams since Kansas last beat a Power 5 team, something like that? Something like that, And three yeah. of those were Kansas? Yeah. Whatever that statistic was, it was wild. Yeah, they should think... They're lucky stars that they have Les Miles now, who is maybe the most dry interview that I have witnessed in a very long time. Rock Chalk. Jayhawk. KU. KU. For anybody who <laughs> did not see that, that was Les Miles' uh, postgame last night on ESPN. He could not have seemed less enthused with his life. But, I mean, I guess losing to Coastal Carolina – will do that to you, even in a win. Yep, pretty much. But we've now talked about what everyone else did this weekend. It's probably time to talk about what Carolina did. And it was really a tale of two halves. The first half, they looked terrible. They looked really, really terrible. And in the second half, both the offense and the defense looked really quite good comparatively yeah yeah that first half was a big struggle um sam howell for the first time looked like a freshman he just 
could not get anything going at all. He looked scared in the pocket and just various things. I don't even know where to start with all of that. Um, Defense, they just looked very confused against Wake's offense. That delayed read option threw them all the way off. And I get it, but also there was times where they came close to getting to the quarterback and not much else happened after that. Once the pocket collapsed, it was just like everything froze and then something happened in Wake's favor. It was it was something else. Wake Forest outgained Carolina in the first half. They they had over 300 yards and Carolina had under 100 yards total yeah. in the first half. And a lot of Wake's yards came from Chaz Surratt's little brother Sage who I he had what 157 yeah yards in the first half which was crazy um unfortunately because Carolina worked themselves into a 21 to nothing hole they they had to come back with some magic in the second half and they very nearly did. They held Wake Forest to just three points after halftime. But unfortunately, when you give up 21 points in the first half, it doesn't really do a lot to only give up three points if you can't consistently score. And Carolina scored all of their 18 points in the second half. But, of course, that was not enough. Now, Brandon, we have to talk about the thing. Do we really have to, though? We do. All right. And the thing is ACC referees not knowing how to run the clock. Yeah. Now, let me set the scene for you in case you have not read about this a thousand times already. Carolina got the ball back after Wake Forest kicked a field goal to go up six points. They needed a touchdown with just over a minute remaining. And they were driving. Unfortunately, just the most ridiculous set of circumstances happened. First of all, on a third and one, Sam Howell scrambled for it, and they decided not to measure, even though it looked like he might have picked up the first down. They just let the clock run, called it fourth down. That wasted time. A wake defender at one point scooped up the ball and started running downfield with it, Pretty sure the clock was running then. Untold seconds elapsed. And then on the final play of the game, which should not have been the final play of the game, Michael Carter scrambled toward the out-of-bounds line. And he stepped out of bounds, but it was ruled forward progress. But if it was forward progress, it was a first down, so the clock should have stopped. And the clock should have stopped when he stepped out of bounds with one second remaining. And the referees decided that they weren't even going to review it. Yeah. Let's start with what UNC could have controlled. Michael Carter really should have just ran out of bounds himself, and this would have just taken care of the whole situation. And he owned up to that in the post game. He admitted that he could have gotten out of bounds quicker, but he was not spatially aware of how much time was left on the clock, which is 
a failing on his part that he he copped to. Yeah, and it's always good, even though it doesn't really help the situation where people own up to that. He recognizes what he did, and that's fine. It's just one game. Now, the clock thing. There was two ways that the officials were wrong. The first being that he stepped out of bounds. I'm really going for that one first because that's not actually what they mentioned happened as far as what came down from the ACC. No, that is what they mentioned. They mentioned... Well, they said that the the referees ruled forward motion. Right. But they did not seem to agree with that. They said he stepped out of bounds with one second left. Okay. But either way, it it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The clock should have stopped. Right. And, yeah, that's the second thing. It was forward progress. Either way, the clock stops. Now, if he's out of bounds, it stops legitimately to where UNC can get off one more play. If it's forward progress, it stops to where they can at least line up and try. And there was a lot of, well, da-da-da-da-da-da, so this was a right call that was on Twitter, and no, all of that's wrong. All of that's wrong. There were a lot of people who were falling all over themselves to say that, no, it was this, or no, it was that, and no, both, no matter if you want to call it forward progress or if you want to call it out of bounds, both resulted in the clock stopping before time had expired, and it's just, we can argue all day about what would have happened with a second left on the clock, whether or not Carolina could have gotten a playoff with a second left on the clock. That's not the point. Right. The point is that Carolina was not given an entire football game, even if that is 60 seconds short. And we've seen crazy things happen. Yeah. Crazy things happen all the time. Who knows? And they should have been given a shot at a Hail Mary. They were on the Wake Forest 43. Sam Howell has a great arm. We have some really explosive receivers we should have had a chance to do something. And I'm sorry, like, it's fine and good for the ACC to come through and say the refs were wrong, but what does that count for? What does that do? Nothing. It's not going to make anybody less upset, I'll tell you that much. And we talked about it. They really only had, like, a 1% chance of winning that game had they gotten one more chance to do it, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe much more of a chance than that, just given the nature of football, because I can think of a number of plays that I've seen that in that particular situation just worked. Hail Marys. Can't go wrong with a good Hail Mary. I've seen constant lateral passes in the backfield to the point that somebody just breaks free and gets the most, just like the luckiest touchdown ever. Football is of such to where, I mean, really any sport is of such to where it's not over until all of the clocks run up, all the time is run off the clock. With that said, there's not much that, let me rephrase, Carolina lost the game. They just did. They lost it in the first half. They did their best to come back, and in the end, when you when you get behind that badly, 
there's nobody that's going to be like, we should have won that game because we needed that one second and we would have went and done this. Nobody's saying that. And that's why, like, all the stuff on Twitter last night was so frustrating. It's because nobody was saying, oh, Carolina should have won that. They took our time away. And it's just like, no, nobody's saying that. But what we are saying is stop acting like what happened didn't actually happen the way that it, it, sorry apparently i'm still a little frustrated with the situation but i'm sure you understand what i mean it's just don't say something was actually right when it was wrong but also understand that we're saying it was wrong but unc still lost it's very frustrating when people act like because XYZ happened. In this case, Carolina let Wake Forest score 21 unanswered points in the first half. Because that happened, this doesn't matter. And that's not true. It matters because Carolina had a chance to win the game in the final seconds of the game. It doesn't matter what happened before that. So yes, we can say all day long like, oh, don't get, don't spot them twenty one points. Don't wait till the second half to show up. Don't wait till the fourth quarter to show up. Well, you shouldn't have done this, and all of that's true, and nobody's denying that. But also, games are sixty minutes, not fifty nine minutes and fifty nine seconds. So I don't know that Carolina would have scored. We'll never know. And the never knowing part is frustrating when it they should have had a chance to do something. If they had been given the right amount of time and failed, that's, you know, that's football, that's sports. But the fact that they weren't given that time is what makes it so frustrating. And it doesn't matter what happened before that, they had a chance to win. Imagine if Luke May had one less second against Kentucky. And it doesn't matter that, well, UNC shouldn't have let them tie it if they didn't. No. Games have a specific length unless it's baseball. Right. So, sorry. Like. All this. And what's funny about this is this was actually an issue in the Florida State Virginia game today. And it's just it's one of those things that. I want nothing else but for the officials to get this figured out so that we don't have to go through this again this season. I don't care who's playing. It doesn't have to be UNC. I just don't want to constantly see stuff like this because we are we as fans, we already have enough problems with refs. We don't need this added to the pile because this is... I'm going to be careful of saying it's costing people games, but at some point it will. And I think that's the important thing. Yeah, and I think what was the most frustrating about the whole situation to me was that the refs just, like, left the field and they weren't even willing to, like, offer an explanation or even entertain the idea of a review or anything. They were just like, okay, we're done. Bye. They had to get to cookout real quick to make sure that they got their milkshakes. Like, I know that it was a weird Friday game and it was a weird time, but do you really have somewhere else you need to be that quick? Apparently. I don't know. It was just, 
It was a lot, but nevertheless, UNC lost. It is what it is. But there was some good things that came out of it, and we will touch on that right after this commercial break. Be right back. All right, and we are back. So, Tanya, um, I did mention before the break that there were some good things that came out of this game. Despite the fact that Sam Howell struggled in the first half, I really feel like what he showed in the second half showed that he does have some resilience that it goes back to what we have been saying up to this point. Not many freshmen can bounce back the way that he did, especially since Jace Reuter ended up going into the game in the second quarter. That would be enough to just take a quarterback's confidence way down and just it, it puts them in a it can put them in a bad space. We've seen it before with other teams, but he went back in the game. He did everything that he could to help UNC win. And even after the game, he was just like, yeah, I wasn't playing well. We thought Jace would give him a different look. And then I got back in and that was that. like, I'm paraphrasing, but I mean, he's an impressive kid. I know that the first half was rough, but all in all, so far to this point of the season, he's just done nothing but impress me. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was a little worried about his confidence just getting replaced because it was really the first time that he's run into real adversity this season. And if it were me, if I was removed at the first sign of adversity, I think that would mess with my head a little bit. And I know that we want to think of these guys as like, not professionals, but like they're supposed to be able to handle whatever comes at them. But he was playing high school football this time last year. He's still young. I think it would have been understandable if getting replaced, if he had sulked or pouted or gotten upset and, and let that affect when he came back on the field. That didn't happen. In the post game, he answered it exactly the way you'd want him to. Now, what his, whether those are his real feelings or not, we'll never know. But at the very least, he knows what to say, and I think it showed that he was at least not bothered by it, and that's really important. We've seen him act super mature to this point on the field, and and this was kind of the first instance of him needing to show maturity off the field, and I think he did that. So, yeah, I think Sam's really special, and he's been really impressive to this point. It could have been difficult to shake off the slow start, especially when he hasn't really had to deal with that so far, and he got replaced by Reuter, but he came back. He helped the offense stage a comeback. If there's any quarterback that I would have liked to be given a Hail Mary with one second to go, it's Sam Howe. Yeah, for sure. And everything that he did in the second half, that's keeping in mind how beat up the offensive line is. Um, because how many people got injured in that first half? It was like two? I want to say that it was three. Yeah. Yeah. The offensive line's in a bad way right now, and especially at the center position, that is 
And it showed. It showed big time. Yeah. And and that's something that probably attributed to some of the issues in the first half. I don't know how he managed in the second half. I really don't. But the first half, it was very hard for them to keep a clean pocket for him. And, I mean, it was the same in the second half, too. But he just figured it out somehow. And, once again, it's impressive. I don't know how he did it, but... He was definitely getting worked a little more than we've seen him in the last few games. Yeah. I mean, they were constantly just on him the whole time. Yeah. I'm actually looking for the sack numbers right now because I don't quite remember one moment. Yeah. Six. Six. Six sacks. And I think maybe one or two of those was actually Ruder because I remember him going in there. I'm like, well, he's doing a good job of not getting sacked at least. And then he got sacked. So that definitely happened at some point. And, you know, I think Ruder was a good change of pace in the first half, but ultimately it just didn't really do anything. So I don't know. There's not going to be any quarterback controversy in case anybody's wondering how still the starting quarterback. It is what it is. Um, he's still yet to throw a pick. He's still yet to throw a pick, yeah. I mean, it'll happen, but I'm just saying. Yeah. He has not, he has not actively contributed to the downfall of anyone that way because we all know – that interception we saw like so many interceptions last year, I feel like. Yeah. And and those are just backbreaking. So the fact that he's been able to avoid that to this point, I think is impressive. As a freshman too, because God knows that the ones last year weren't all freshmen that stepped in there. So that says something about at least his decision making, if anything. And that's not to say that it's perfect. There's still some decisions that he can make a lot better. He's not a perfect quarterback, but what he is is, like you said, somebody that won't hurt the team. And that's important because UNC has a very thin margin of error, and it's just nobody really needs to be doing anything that hurts the team going into the next couple games especially. I got App State coming up and Clemson and – I mean, we know what's going to happen with the Clemson game, but what's going to be important with that game is that they actually do what they can to keep things interesting, at least. What I need from Sam is for him to avoid some of these really big hits that he's taking because I need his head to remain attached to his shoulders, and there are definitely times where he gets hit that I am fearful that it will not remain attached. Yeah. It's his situation's tough because I know that he said that he didn't slide in high school and he's trying to learn how to slide now. And you almost wonder if it's going, if it's working against him just a tiny bit, because when you don't know how to slide properly, I mean, there was a couple times where I saw it. I was just like, whoa, your legs did something that I was not a fan of just now. And there's still even times where he ran where he didn't slide. And there's just this weird adjustment period to where I'm just like, 
maybe just don't run. And I'm not saying literally don't run, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, what if he just didn't run? It's important for him to run because he he's good at it. Like, he can get the yardage. But, you know, there's just that part of back thing in the back of my head that's just like, ooh, I... I don't want him to not run. I just want him to run smarter. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably key. He's not Cam Newton. He's not going to take a bunch of shots and stay upright. I mean, he's not that quarterback for White either. He was kind of doing that really in the red zone a couple times. I don't want him to take shots. No. I want to put him in a bubble Yeah. and protect him. Yeah, that's important. Brandon? Let's move on to what your best part of the game was. The best part of the game for me was, ooh, that's a tough one, um, Deami Brown. He was good. Yeah, he was really good. He finished the game with three receptions, 84 yards, averaged 28 yards per catch, one touchdown. His longest was a 55-yard catch. Which I think was a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was outstanding. The chemistry between Howell and Brown has been really, really impressive this season. I saw a tweet that said Diami has already surpassed his yardage from last year, I think. If yeah. not, he's really close. And, yeah, it's going to be really fun to see these two continue to develop together. Yeah, I've been rooting for Diami this year especially because last year was just – We all know what happened last year, but I feel like there was other receivers that were able to kind of get something going, and he just wasn't able to. So now that he's kind of going on his, yes, I'm going back to the 27 National Championship team, but now that he's getting some redemption in the receiving department, I'm, I'm here for it. I want him to have the best season he possibly can. Um yeah, I, I'm a big fan of everything he's done so far. Tanya, what was your best of the week? Because I ragged on him last week, I'm going to give him his props this week, and that's Ben Kiernan. He showed up in this game, and for all of his punting struggles in the Miami game, he did really well against Wake. I mean, it's kind of sad that for pretty much the entire first half, He was pretty much the star of the game because he was the only one doing anything positive. But he averaged 46 yards a punt, and his long was 57. So that's huge improvement over what it was a week ago. So I I kind of roasted him a little bit last week, and that's why I'm making sure I come back this week and give him his due because he was impressive. Yeah, Kiernan did really well. I know Mac Brown spoke after the last game about how he felt like he got nervous basically kicking uh, outdoors or something like that. I, I know he said that he was kicking really well indoors, and then game time happened, he just kind of had some nerves or whatever that he had to work through. Uh, I'm glad that he was able to get past that, and it seems like – Special teams in general is looking a lot better than what we had seen the first game against South Carolina. It's been a kind of a progressively like better unit. So 
I'm pretty happy about that. He definitely deserves those props for sure. Um, Tanya, what was your worst of the week? The refs. Yeah. I mean, that was that was a very low point of the game. Also, the injuries. The injuries are so frustrating. Um, I think they really missed Jason Strobridge this game. And I hope that he'll be ready to go for the App State game. But his presence on defense was sorely missed against Wake Forest. It definitely was. Um, And for those that didn't know, he was out with a sore ankle. Um, So hopefully by the time App State happens, like you said, it'll, it'll be better. I think my worst of the week may be some of the weird stuff we saw at the running back position. Um, Mainly the parts where Javante Williams didn't really get as many touches as Carter. Now, granted, for what it's worth, Carter's longest run was 50 yards. So there's that. Um, But even aside from Javante Williams, we didn't see Antonio Williams. I think that's weirder to me than the other part because – I mean, if you're going to bill it as sort of like a three-headed monster, um, there needs to be three heads on that monster. And Antonio Williams was nowhere to be found. Yeah. It's pretty weird. Yeah. I just didn't understand it. Um, Also, Carter didn't seem to be gaining that much ground in the first half. I I mean, not that anyone was, but I, I just feel like that's a perfect time to kind of cycle through the options you have and see if anyone else can gain some traction. And I think it would have been beneficial to see if Antonio Williams could have done any more. Yeah. The benefit to having three running backs is the fact that you can actually cycle through three running backs and see who's going to have the hot hand and can actually get something going on the ground. If you're going to insist on running it as much as UNC has, and I know that I looked at the stats and I think I think that there was more running plays than passing plays. I have to double-check on that. But at any rate... Um, that's kind of neither here nor there because is that what it was? There were 37 carry attempts and 30 passes. Yeah. So while that's also a factor, um, it just goes back to if you're going to do that, figure out which one can actually get you yards. And it's going to be different every game for sure. Sometimes it's going to be Williams. Whichever one it is. Pick one. Uh, yeah, just pick one. And sometimes it's going to be Carter. I mean, and that's that's great. That's a great problem. You want just something to work with those three. So. And Carter did well in the second half. So there's that. But it's still just curious to me why Antonio Williams wasn't even given, like, a shot at it. Yeah. I feel like there might be more to that story than we know, but who knows. Um, Maybe he's hurt, like literally everyone else. That could be. Which is why we need to put Sam Howe in bubble. Yeah. This is my my campaign. Yeah. 
this whole injury situation, particularly at the offensive line, very much makes me want to go through the current commits for the 2020 class and basically find their picture, print it out, put it in a frame, and pull the Wolverine meme where I'm just staring at it longingly, waiting for it to come to me because... you can't expect a quarterback to excel behind an offensive line that is as beaten as UNC's. Battered, broken, on their, like, third string. It's yeah. it's rough. It's really rough in those streets. It's, yeah. Hopefully the injury situation improves going forward. We're going to need as many healthy bodies as we can because we're going to have some tough games coming up. It's not going to be smooth sailing. Yeah. Brandon, do you have anything else this time? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So we're going to wrap things up. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, the podcast application of your choosing, whatever it may be. Leave us a review if you feel so inclined and... Our podcast host, Chad Floyd, is happy to read whatever words of encouragement you leave for us in a future podcast. Brandon, where can the people find you on Twitter? They can find me at THB Brandon. I am at Tanya Bondurant and also usually at Tar Heel Blog. We'll be back later this week to tee up the Appalachian State game. But until then, go Heels. Go Heels.